Okay, Chag Sameach. There is an Indian to learn in between the two Megillah readings. So we're doing that right now. And we're going to select another piece from the Shvile Pinchas, from Pinchas Friedman, the 22nd Maimar. And we um, want to explain a concept of the four mitzvahs that we do on Purim. One of them seems to be not in place. What do I mean? Reading the Megillah obviously is a mitzvah that is, is bringing out the praise of Hashem for the miracle that he did for us on Purim. So that makes a lot of sense. And um, having a Sudas Purim makes a lot of sense because the miracles happen through a Suda, through wine, and things like that. And Mishloach Manos, to bring friendship and unity between people, that's an important idea. The question is, why did they institute matanos le'evyonim, gifts to the poor? Because really, gifts to the poor is nothing more than tzedakah. And tzedakah is a mitzvah to do at all times. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, what about on Pesach? We don't give tzedakah no, we do. before yeah, Pesach. We, we give tzedakah. Before every yantif, we, we give tzedakah. So what's the idea of Bedavka giving tzedakah as a unique, and really it comes out that uh, the money you use for Matan Sevyonim cannot be from your miser money, from your regular tzedakah money, unless you go past what's the minimum of fulfilling the mitzvah. Then you want to give more that could be part of the miser. So why did they Davka institute staka? And more than that, the halacha normally is that if somebody comes to ask for tzedakah, you can first check out to see if he's worthy of being a recipient of tzedakah. But here the mitzvah is you're not, you don't inspect for the money. Whoever sticks his hand out, you give him. Even if he's fraudulent. Okay, you don't have to give him $100. You give him a dollar. You know, I've seen that guy. He's a fraud. All year long, you don't gift him. I'm poor him, you gift him. So what's going on? But is it that only if he asks or you go and give it to him? No, no well, if, if, no, if he's asking, if he's yeah. asking. But there's a mitzvah to give. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now that's one question. There's another real interesting idea that the, uh, uh, the B'nai Yisachar brings from the Chidah explaining a very interesting thing. The, uh, we are told that Shuvah only helps for the Jewish people and doesn't help for the non-Jews. Based on a Medrash Tanchuma, where it says, Yisoh Hashem Lecha in the Birchaz Karim, Hashem will raise up his face towards you. Another Pasuk says, he is not one who... Uh, you know, favors people, and he goes with strict justice. So what's going on over here? So it says, well, if you do tshuva, Hashem casts his face upon you. So I might think it'll apply for everybody. It says, you saw Hashem panav elecha. Hashem will turn his face to you, the Jewish people, to you and no one else. So in other words, 
When we do tshuva, it helps. When goyim do tshuva, it doesn't help. So why is that? Those are the two questions we want to answer today. And the chidah explains very simple answer. Because when we look at the relationship that Hashem has between himself and us, Hashem looks at himself as a father to the Jewish people, and we are his children. As the Pasuk says, Bonim Atem Lashem Eloikechem. You are children to Hashem, your God. And the halacha is, as it says in Meseches Kiddushin, if a father is Moichel on his kavod, he is able to. If he, can, if he wants to, for, a child acts disrespectfully. Well, let's say a child should not sit in his father's seat. But if the father says, you can sit in my seat, then it's okay. So a father who is mochel on his covet, he forgoes his honor, it is permitted. So therefore, when the Jewish people sin against Hashem, that is the greatest disrespect possible. But if they do tshuva, then you know what? Hashem will say, okay, I'll forgo my honor and I'll let it go. That's why he accepts tshuva from us. What's God's relationship to the rest of the world? To the rest of the world, it says in Tehillim, Melech Eloikim al Goyim. Hashem rules over the Goyim. And there's various other psukim. Hashem's relationship to the non Jewish world, he's the king and they're his subjects. And therefore, the rule is a king cannot be Mochel on his kavod. So if a Goy does a sin, Tshuva is not accepted. It's not accepted. Generally speaking, okay, there's an Indian from Ninveh, but we're not going to go into that now. But we, that's why a tshuva of a Jew is accepted. We are his children. And a child who says he's sorry, a father will always forgive a child who's sorry. A king, <laughs> there's no such thing as second chances. You disrespected the king, off with your head. You want to do tshuva? Too late, man. So that's, the difference. that's why our tshuva can be accepted. Okay. Now, there is a little bit of discussion on this issue because one of the great mystics, the Megala Amukos, says a great Chiddush. He says, when we live in Eretz Yisrael, the Jewish people are called children. And when they're outside of Eretz Yisrael, they are considered slaves. Oh. Whoa. So it comes that in Golas, he is like our king and not our father. So why should tshuva help? Because a king cannot forgo his honor. So obviously the commentaries say that we cannot explain the words of the Megalamukas on the simple level because we have a clear proof that even in Chutz Laaretz, uh, Jews are considered like children as we see from the following Gemara. The following Gemara <clears throat> the wicked Turnus Rufus asked Rabbi Akiva the following ethical, uh, philosophical question. If God loves the poor, he said he loves everybody, why doesn't he take care of them? Why, if you love the poor, so give him money. But, but he's made people rich so that they can give money. Uh, so Rabbi Akiva says, you know why? in order to save the others from Gehenna. Because now others can give tzedakah. So Turner's Rufus says, no, the opposite. If they give them tzedakah, they should get Gehenna. Why? 
So Ternus Rufus gives an analogy. Let me give you an analogy. A king is angry at one of his servants and he puts him in jail. And he commands everyone not to feed him and not to give him the drink. Someone comes along and feeds and drinks the person for the person. The king hears about it. Is not he going to be angry yes. at the person who fed him? And you are called servants of God, as it says in Vayikra, Li B'nai Yisrael Avodim. Jews are servants of God. So therefore, you shouldn't be giving them tzedakah. Because if God made them poor, he wanted them to be poor. Why are you disturbing the king's plans? To which Rabbi Akiva says, okay, let me give you a parable. Let's say a king gets angry at his son and puts him in jail. And he commands everyone not to give him to eat and give him to drink. And someone goes and gives him to eat and gives him to drink. When he hears the king, won't he send a gift to the guy who fed his son? And we are called sons of God. Bani Matem, Lashem Elokeichem. Turns around, Turnus Rufus, he's not finished. He says, okay, so sometimes you're called sons and sometimes you're called servants. So the way I understand it, says Turnus Rufus, is when the children do the will of God, you're called children. But in the time that you don't do the will of God, you're called servants. And now that you are in Gaulus, because Turnus Rufus was a Roman uh, emperor or whatever, so now that you're in the Gaulus, you're not obviously not doing the will of Hashem. So therefore, again, you're like a servant and you should not be giving and receiving tzedakah. To which Rabbi Akiva says, no, he gives to the hungry people bread. He quotes a pasuk that says, give to the poor person your bread and the forlorn uh, poor people, bring them into your house. And when our people forlorn, when our people embittered, must be when we are in the gullus and he says, give us bread. End of the story. So what do we learn from this story? That even if the Jews are in gullus and we don't do the will of Hashem, you still have to give them tzedakah. Why? It must be that even if the Jews do not do the will of Hashem, they're still called children. We are always his children. So therefore, now you answer the question. The fact that Hashem gives us the mitzvah of giving tzedakah even in the gullus, that teaches us that in the gullus we're called children to Hashem and he still has a, 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 um, a, a characterization of being a father. Okay, and that shows us that even in the Golos, Hashem will accept our tshuva and forgive us like a father who forgoes his honor, the honor is foregone. So we see a big yesod that the fact that Rabbi Akiva can prove that there still is a mitzvah to give tzedakah, the fact that a Jew is poor, and obviously Hashem made him poor for whatever reasons, could be the guy's sinner, maybe he is. We're not saying every person who's poor is a sinner, but maybe, maybe he's a sinner. And therefore, part of his tikkun is he has to receive charity from others and get handouts from others, which is embarrassing. But certainly Hashem wants all his children taken care of. So there's a mitzvah of giving tzedakah. And therefore, we also see 
that Hashem is willing to take our tshuva because every father forgives the son. So now, let's go back to the Purim story. In the days of Achashverosh, were the Jews in Golos? Yeah. Yep, they're in Golos. Were they doing the will of Hashem? Nope. Nope. Was there a decree on them? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Did they cry out to Hashem and did they do tshuva? Eventually, yeah. No, in the story. They did. They did. Esther asked them to do. Even though they did terrible things. But Hashem accepted our tshuva. Why? Because we're his children. Therefore, we can understand why the rabbis instituted the mitzvah of matanos le'avyonim. The mitzvah of tzedakah on Purim to prove that even in the Golas we have the law of being a child. And that Hashem, and how do we know that? Because Hashem accepted our tshuva like a father who forgives his, forgoes his honor. And that's what it means why we don't even check into the person who's asking for the tzedakah, but everybody who spreads out his hands, we give him. So therefore, we, we, they instituted tzedakah to show you that it's a proof that Hashem is still treating us like children. You understand? You have to appreciate the Jews. When they went into that first Golis, they never were exiled. They were in their land for 800 years. It was a base on Megdash. And now it got destroyed. And it doesn't necessarily look like they're coming back. Yeah. And the Jews are doing Averos. So Mordechai had to convince them. They're going to say, how can we do tshuva? We've been so bad. Why should Hashem accept us? Mordechai had to convince them. No, 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 you can still do tshuva. Even in the Golas, where it looks like we're not his children, but we are his children. Just try it. And we did tshuva. So now we know, we knew, we're still his children. He hasn't forgotten about us. So therefore, what's the biggest proof to show that Hashem is our father and we're his child? The fact that we give tzedakah to other poor people, that's the answer to Turnus Rufus. That it's still the will of Hashem. So that's why Matosim is such a critical aspect of Purim. Hmm. Purim shows us that even in the long Golas, we're still his children. And he will still accept our tshuva. And he'll be moichel on his honor. And therefore, we have to do something that shows that. And that, that argument with Rabbi Akiva and Turnus Rufus, the fact that we, yes, we still give tzedakah to poor people in the Golas, even if we're not doing the will of Hashem, but Hashem is our father and he won't be upset with us for taking care of his children. But now we have to explain the next aspect that so a whole year long, we can check out if a person is fraudulent or not. Why on Purim do we not? So on Purim, what we want to do is we want to show the mistake of, of, of Haman. Haman said, They don't do the, what he told Achishverosh when he wanted to prosecute the Jews. He said, they don't do the laws of the king and the king has no worth to keep them. So what does he mean to say? Remember, on a deeper level, the king is Hashem. There's two levels over here. But, so really, Haman felt, we don't have a law of children to Hashem because we sinned. Because they don't keep the laws of the king. And what Haman was saying, we could kill them because they're not doing the will of Hashem. They're not his children anymore. 
but he's also saying, understanding from God's perspective, same thing. So we have to show his, his proof. So what's the proof? We don't check out the money on Purim. Whoever opens his hands, we give. Meaning, even if the fellow is not worthy, so we want to show that even when a guy is asking for tzedakah and you know he's a charlatan and you know he is not doing the will of Hashem, he's still called a child. He still can do tshuva. And we have to show our belief that he can still do tshuva because we're still his children and a king can forgo his honor. Okay. So that is the two critical aspects over here. Now, one more interesting point. Rabbi Yonisan Ivashitz says, the fact that Haman wanted to give Achashverosh 11,000 silver coins, what, did, what, did he, what was the king going to do with them? So he brings down, the king was going to give them as tzedakah. Why? Well, if you remember, there was a story in the book of Daniel where Nebuchadnezzar, you know, was um, suffering and he turns to Daniel and he says, you know, what should I do? So he said, listen, tzedakah always helps. Mm. And he gave tzedakah and it helped for a year. It helped for a year. Yeah, it helped for a year, right? And therefore, if you give tzedakah, why? And specifically, he had to give it to Jews, to Neil, because obviously the Jews were suffering greatly. So he says, you give it to the Jews, and that will mitigate any prosecution against you. Why is that? Because when you give tzedakah to Hashem's children, it makes Hashem happy. When a goy gives tzedakah to Jews, it makes Hashem happy. Just like Rabbi Akiva said, if the father puts the son, in, king puts his child in jail, he won't punish the guy who gives him tzedakah. You're helping them out. So therefore, the king, uh, the king uh, Nebuchadnezzar helped the Jews. So Haman, he wanted to destroy all the Jews, and he knew that would be a bad thing. So he has to give him advice. He says, Here's the money, and you will give it as tzedakah. And that will atone for your sin. You're ready pre-planned the, the yeah. way out of that. Ah, but the question now is, and, and he figured the but same... Who's he going to give it to? If he's oh, going to so who's he going to give it? He's going to give it to Goyim. That doesn't work, does it? He gives it to Goyim, it doesn't work, because they're not considered children of Hashem. Hmm. And therefore, it comes out, the king at the end said, no, you keep the money. It says, Vayomer HaMelech HaKesef Nasun Lecha. And Tosfa says in the Medrash that the Gematria of HaKesef Ola HaEitz, it's a hint of 165, tells us that uh, that he's going to get, uh, instead he's going to get hung on a tree. So that's the importance of Matanos Levyonim. It shows us we're truly children of Hashem. That no matter what we do, even in Golis, no matter how terrible things look, Hashem is still there, still treats us like children. He'll always accept our tshuva. And therefore, at Purim, while we're giving the tzedakah, we should have that in mind 
that although this Jew, for whatever reason, Hashem is presently not smiling upon them, but he's still a child of Hashem too, and we have to treat him that way. And that's the encouragement that we have from the Megillah, is that no matter how bad things are in our lives, as a nation, as a person, that Hashem will always accept our tshuva. And we prove that by giving tzedakah to others. That's why tzedakah always helps so much. So now, let's discuss a little bit about this tzedakah business. And uh, we can bring a proof from the Panovich Arav. Panovich Arav, of Kahanamim, who built this yeshiva in Panovich, he was a master, a master in collecting tzedakah. He knew exactly how to collect tzedakah. For example, he once went to a very rich man. He walks in to his office and there's a picture behind the man. So he looks, he's, the man's there, the picture's there. He's looking at the picture. He's really looking intently. So, he, so the man says, Kvod Arav, is, what's interesting in that picture? She says, I see from the face of this person, he's a big God-fearing person must have been a person, and he starts extol, saying a lot of nice things. You mean the artist? No, the person, the picture of the person. Oh, there's a picture of a person. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't say it. It was okay. a picture of a person. Right, okay. Picture of a person, I'm sorry. So the guy laughs. That was my father, Zichron Ovrocha. So then he goes on for a long time saying he must have been this and that, a tzaddik, and this and that. Oh, you know, you do me the greatest favor if you would, if you would, give me this picture. I would want to hang this picture in our yeshiva's library, which give everybody so much Yerushalayim. This guy says, I have a lot of pictures of Father. You could have it. My pleasure, give it to the rabbi. He says, good. Now that we have a picture for the library, now will you help us donate money for us to build the library? <laughs> <laughs> so that is how, uh, one example of him being a great fundraiser. So, uh, so, so there's a uh, uh, a story of the Panavicharov who went, uh, who there was a person who had a long-term relationship of giving tzedakah, uh, but the son was not that way. He told everybody, you know what, my father was one way, I'm not that way. Don't even bother coming. I am not giving tzedakah. So Panavicharov doesn't. He, he's told Vance, this guy is not like his dad. He says, no problem, I'm going to go to him anyway. He starts talking and talking and talking. He says, Rabbi, I'm sorry, I understand this, but I'm not a, a person who wants to give tzedakah, finished. Okay, so finally the Panovich Rav says, okay, I have no choice. I have to honor your request that you don't want to give. So now Panovich Rav takes a pen out of his pocket and he takes out a list, a handwritten list. He says, here, this is a list of all the people that are, give money to the yeshiva, and uh, your father's on the list. So now I have to take his name off the list. I have to cross him off the list. Now, if I knew you wanted to continue to give, I would write your name under his name. But now that you don't want to give, uh, it, it could be you, you, you figure you have your own merits so I have to erase your father's name completely 
And he said, I got to tell you the truth. Your father, on top of being a philanthropic person, who's a good friend of mine. And it's very hard by my friendship to erase your father's name. You do it. I can't do it. <clears throat> so I ask you to take the pen oh, gosh. and cross out his name. <laughs> the, the son takes the pen and he can't do it. Hands shaking. He said, I can't, I can't touch this paper. Let's figure out a way that we can work things out to give some tzedakah. So, you see, what you, what you have to understand from this story is you have to know how to ask in order to receive. You know, you just don't ask. You have to know how to ask in order to receive. And that's what each and every one of us has to do on Purim. Purim is a day just like we say in tzedakah, whoever sticks their hand out, Hashem, you have to give. So whoever sticks his hand out to Hashem in prayer, Hashem has to give. And Hashem's not so particular how, who you are. And as it says, Vayomer ha-melech Esther, the king said to Esther at the party, what do you want and I'll give it to you? So it's ha-melech. So that means... Anyone who asks, Hashem is going to give them. But you need to know how to ask. So I'll conclude with one last story. There was a bacher who was not a very bright young man. And he wanted so much to be able to succeed in learning Torah, but he just didn't have the head for it. And when he heard this chazal, he decided that he is going to try to take advantage of this. He wanted to be able to really understand Torah the deepest way. So he goes to his Rebbe, and he says, Rebbe, you know, give me a bracha, what should I do? He says, there's a great skula, there's a well-known charm in the name of Chassam Sefer. Anyone who learns between one Megillah reading and the next Megillah reading, which means from the nighttime Megillah to the daytime reading, which is what you are doing now, he will receive everything that he asks for. So my advice is sit in the base medrash and learn now and with Hashem's help you'll see great salvations. And learn in the base medrash. Guy says in the base medrash we know that the yeshiva boys have a custom every year on Purim. They do their Purim play and they you know have fun and all that stuff in the base medrash. That's all they have. And they're all there. They're all having fun and they're going to see me learning and they're going to they're going to think I'm crazy. Who learns when everybody's having a good time at night? This is before, you know, we've come up with the idea of the yeshivas Mordechai HaYehudi nowadays and kids go learn in Baruch Hashem. You find in many of the very from schools, they went last night and they're learning Torah, they learned Torah today, but was not at that time. So I'm going to be on one side and they're having a good fun and they're thinking I'm crazy. So what did he answer? He said, you know, I'm Purim, everybody does crazy things. Mm -hmm. And the crazier it is, the more joy everyone gets. And you're right. When everybody's having a party, having a good time, and a guy is sitting and learning, that's the craziest thing. But what should it matter? It's Purim. And at Purim, we all do crazy things. So the butler accepted the advice. He decided that he's mamish going to learn Torah straight for a few hours. He sits at the side of the base of Medrash. 
all the people are, are laughing at him. Oh, look at him. This guy thinks he's a Talmud Chacham. Remember, he wasn't smart. What, who's he trying to fool? Can you imagine the embarrassments he gives. It was hard, but he was just learning and learning and learning. And from that night, he testifies on himself. He became a different person. And from that, he became a Talmud Chacham. So therefore, as we uh, see from today's class, that the whole idea of giving gifts to the poor is the biggest proof that Hashem can forgive us. And therefore, if we find ourselves in a desperate state and we need something, we have to know how to ask from Hashem. When we come to davening now, we have to know how to ask from Hashem. Can't just say, Hashem, give me. And you see that from this bachar what he had to do. And we have to be prepared to do things that we're not comfortable with. And that's the skula. There's all kinds of misses. You want to ask something from Hashem? All of us have certain things we're not comfortable doing as Jews. Whatever it is, making up with certain people, doing certain things, having certain chumras that are necessary. Some of us are still uncomfortable. They can't come into the shul without bringing their cell phone in. As unfortunately, so many people had to bring their cell phones in last night. They're very uncomfortable detaching themselves from their holy cell phone that is their ticket to life. So if you really want Hashem to answer you, maybe when you're davening today, make sure the cell phone's not in the shul. Because you're not calling him by cell phone. Make sure, make sure that you're ne never, you make a commitment. I will never bring a cell phone into a place where I should be learning Torah and doing that. And I'm really serious about it. And it's uncomfortable because everyone's going to look at you as crazy. How could you not have a cell phone right next to you? What if you'll be hit by a bolt of lightning in the middle of davening and you'll have to call the doctor? But if you really want Hashem to help you, you'll make some major sacrifices in life. And Hashem should all listen to our tefillos, be makabal them, and we should all see Yeshua in our lifetimes. Amen. Amen.